0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Today's sermon is entitled FaceTime by Pastor Josh Reynolds. We don't have very much time tonight, so I'm going I'm to rush, rush, rush to, uh, to give to you what I feel like the Lord has given to me. So I'm going to jump right into my point here by saying, Charlotte, my beautiful wife, is a better parent than I am. She's just good at it. She's patient, she's kind, she's slow to anger, she's slow to get frustrated, she's slow to get stressed out. Basically, she's so much more like Jesus than I am, it's ridiculous. And it shows up when we're trying to raise this six-month-old perfect baby boy that we have... And I'm learning all kinds of interesting and new things about parenting. This is our first one. He's six months old. And for example, like I've just recently discovered that taking him out to restaurants are a lot like the TV show. Maybe you've seen it. I don't know. But America Ninja Warrior, anybody? (laughs) Anybody with a toddler say amen or oh me, one something? American Ninja Warrior, that's where they do all these crazy obstacle courses, and they're hanging by their, just their toes, and they're trying all sorts of things. That's what it's like taking my baby out to dinner. I'm serious. Uh, jumping, kicking, flipping, and he's six months old. And I don't know if this is normal. I mean, I've heard of the terrible twos, but six months old is a little much. So I'm not sure if if he's early or, or what the deal is, but last night we went out with my parents and we're sitting there having a great dinner and he has his first spill drink table disaster situation everywhere. Six months. He seems like he's a little early on that. I don't if he's going to be advanced, I guess that's a good thing. If he can just be advanced in something, he's he's already to the terrible twos at 6 months old and I, I don't the mental games that happen for me when I take my baby to restaurants are unbelievable. Now, if you can sit there if you have babies and act like the I know Sam and Melinda, you know exactly what I'm talking. No, they don't. That baby's an angel. But my baby, the mental games that go through my mind when I'm having dinner. I'm brand new at this. I'm just going to be honest because this is what you're supposed to do when you stand behind this pulpit is be honest. It messes with my head. I try everything in my power to make him happy. I try holding him up. I try setting him down. I try holding, giving him food that he doesn't need. I try to lay him down. I try everything I can. I even start having out-of-body experiences while this is happening. So last night, this is going down, and I'm sitting there at this table, and I'm tripping out, and I'm trying everything in my power that I know to do, trying to play it cool in front of the grandparents that I know exactly what I'm doing. I've got this completely under control. So here's what I do. I, I, I take him. I pick him up and say, let's just go outside. Let's just, let's just go outside. So I take him outside and we're standing outside and I begin to talk to him. And this is what I do. This is my contribution to our family. I'm the talker. I just talk to him. He's six months old. So I start throwing some ideas at him. Some questions. I start saying, son, what is it that you want? Tell daddy, go ahead and tell daddy what you want. Why are you doing this to daddy and mommy tonight? What can, and I'm looking around making sure nobody's actually seeing me. What can daddy do to fix this? Why are you choosing this particular night to act this way in front of papa and nanny? Are you you trying to embarrass daddy? Is that what you're trying to do? And in my mind, I'm thinking about my parents driving home back to Arkansas going, oh my God. They're six months into this, and he's already going to melt them down. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You grandparents sitting there like, oh, that's t-. Y'all all do the same thing. So I'm talking to him. I'm throwing questions out. Y'all ain't been there. Say amen or oh me, something. I even try, because I'm a pastor and I, I, I preach, so I even try the pastor approach to my baby. You shall sleep. And you shall not whine in the name. I'm not, I'm not just preaching. I'm telling the truth. Lord, you know I don't need this right now. Just let a peace come over him. God, you know I'm hungry. You know I can't keep getting up from this restaurant. They ain't going to let us come back. Now, that ain't a good witness to be messing up tables. After all that talking and all that explaining and, you know, that analytical approach to a six-month-old, I felt confident that he got some of it. But my wife quickly tells me, why, why, do, you, why do you even do that? They don't, he doesn't understand what you're saying. He doesn't pick up on that sort of stuff. And she's so sweet and she's so calm and she's always in control. And that's what she is good at. And I'm not so good at it. But I'm not so sure that he doesn't do some of this stuff on purpose. I haven't figured that. I think he kind of knows when. Do they... No, nobody else. It's just him. But last night, while we were replaying uh, the different events that took place in the restaurant, my wife gave me some very helpful information that she picked up while she was trying to read about being a better parent. She's just trying to get back up to the level that I'm on. So she has to read about that stuff. And so she's reading about this, and she gives me some tidbit of information that uh, it's, it's really interesting. And, and here, here, here's what she says. She says, and I quote, that research shows that infants begin recognizing their parents' facial expressions by three or four months of age. So he does know. <laughs> she was telling me he wasn't picking up on anything, but he... he so it doesn't stop there. It says about five months, babies can comprehend facial expressions on strangers' faces. And by seven to nine months old, they can pick up on what dogs' facial expressions mean. Now, time out of that. Se- that seems rather obvious when a dog's showing its teeth that the child should be able to go ahead and figure out what's about to happen. Can I get a good amen? So your child's not special. So you're telling me before I understand language or before he understands language or we understand language, we read faces and facial expressions. Facial expressions must be super duper incredibly powerful if we can pick up on them when we're three and four months old. I can remember growing up, and many of you will remember this when you were just a teenager or a kid growing up, that your parents may have said something like this. Don't you look at me like that. Wipe that look off your face. Y'all, my parents are sitting right here. I can get them up here. I can get them up here right now. And you know what I used to say is I'm not making a face. It's just the way my face looks. I just look this way. Plus, I had a little something in my eye anyway. I wasn't even rolling my eyes. Not even that kind of a deal. Get that look off your face before I fill in the blank. Kiss it off your face, slap it off your face, whatever fits at your house. I wasn't even looking at you. My face is fine. How many of you can testify by lifting up your hand and say, "Our faces talk. Our faces talk. They just talk. I learned my wife taught me this. That's a good lesson to learn, men, from your wife. I hear what you're saying. But your face is saying something totally different. Baby, how I look in this outfit. Baby, you look good. <laughs> See that? And I know this is kind of humorous. But you people have been doing this since you were three months old. You've been picking up on facial expressions since you were three months old. Your face talks. We have this wonderful new device on our smartphones. How many knows what FaceTime is? How many of you use that great, incredible technology? You know what's funny about FaceTime? I think this is hilarious. Used to, we used to talk to people on the phone and we'd be like, on the other, like, he's lying. He's not even telling, he's lying. Now we can see their face and we absolutely know without any, any, any error in our, in our mind at all that they are absolutely lying. You you can see it on their face. And you know what funny about that is when you're looking at that that, that FaceTime on your phone, you tend to be looking at yourself more than you're even looking at the person in the Doesn't matter. So the truth is our facial expressions or our countenance trumps the knowledge. It trumps our knowledge. Eighty five percent of communication, they tell me, is nonverbal. Eighty five percent. That's a lot. Countenance trumps knowledge. In other words, my baby knows before he knows. Right. <laughs> he knows my facial expressions before he even knows what's coming out of my mouth. So tonight, my question is, if, 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 if faces are that powerful, if, if expressions are that powerful, if countenance is that powerful, important to us as humans, then how do we see the face of God? How do you look at God? What do you think of? What mental picture of the face of God do you see when you think about God? I think the truth is we all kind of struggle in our countenance picture of God. I think that I, I think that many times we think, if we're honest, that I think that we, we, we think about God looking at us like I look at my baby when he's acting up in a restaurant, kind of puzzled, kind of stressed out, kind of frustrated, like, oh, you, you, you did that, huh? Uh, you, you you fell into that same old thing, huh? You knocked over the drink, huh? You okay? Th- this is fun. We're out in front of everybody, and you're acting up. And so we we get this mental picture. I think a lot of times that God is kind of disgusted with us, and God's kind of scratching his head, like I don't really understand why you do what you do. Just just a little bit of a look of bewilderment with us sometimes. And 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 you know what I say to God when I think of Him like that is that God, you know, I'm only I'm only thirty five, so I. I'm only six months old, so I'm going to knock some stuff over. And so I try to plead my case with God because I feel like he gets frustrated with me. I feel like he looks down upon me and he says, Get it together! What are you doing? How long are you going to do this kind of thing? Maybe I'm the only one in the house tonight that thinks that God looks at me sometimes like a monkey looks at a math problem like... doesn't add up. 2 Corinthians 4 and 6 says it this way. Here's what the Lord says about faith, his face. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God simply means the essence of God. In other words, if we can see a glimpse of the face of Jesus... We can really see how God truly is. We can get a glimpse of His character. We can get a glimpse of who He is. Truthfully, most of us are not really aware of the picture that we even have of God in our heads. I know we have one, but we're not aware of it all the time. But I would submit tonight that, that because of how we are wired as humans, how we see His face towards us shapes us more than we even realize it does. If you see a large, looming, frustrated uh, uh, figure looking over you and finding fault with you, and 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 looking at you with such disgust, and you—that's the way you see God looking at you. I would submit to you that you are being uh, uh, shaped and you are being uh, moved and, and molded by that particular train of thought. If you believe that God is looking at you and saying tonight, "Look at you," you're at church on a Wednesday night. You could be anywhere. You don't even have your Bible. I saw you lifting up your hand while ago, and I know what you did this week. You weren't even acting right. You think I don't know? He knows about all of our junk. I know about it. What are you doing? I see you got your hands here. You won't even lift them here. What's up? We all struggle with this incorrect picture. We all struggle with this. Many Christians live in this constant state of... He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Mm, He loves me not. I was pretty good today, so he loves me. But tomorrow or the next day, I know I got that one thing, so I know he going to love me not. I wonder if God is in a good mood today. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Maybe he'll love me, maybe he won't. We are so desperate, we are so desperate as, as, as his creatures and his creation for his approval, for his face. But we are not allowed, we are not allowed. We are not allowed to form our own idea about God without first taking an honest look at what we really believe about the face of God. It's easy to start picking him apart, but I want to show you in Scripture. I want to prove to you in Scripture how the face of God looks at you and towards you. And I want you to take it home, and I want you to always think about it, and never forget it. We're not the only people to ever think about the face of God towards us. In Exodus chapter thirty-three, you know this. You know this, and we don't have time to go into it. But in the Old Testament, Moses asked God to let him see His face. Moses says, "God, I want to see Your face." I want to see really how you view me. I want to see really what you look like. I want to see how you look at me. And God says, you you can't see my face and live because of the dispensation of the old covenant that you're living under, which was basically law, 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 law. And God was saying, you don't want to look at my face because if you look at my face, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to be consumed. And here is why. Throughout the Bible, the face of God is a metaphor for judgment. And in the Old Testament, when God is prov- approving of His people and accepting of His people, He turns His face toward them. And when God is disapproving of their action, or He's getting onto them, or He is disciplining them, or the judgment is coming, then He turns His face from them. And this is bad when God hides His face from His people. And God speaks in Isaiah 54 and 8 again of the concerning about His face. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, He says. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Amen. I've hid my face from you for just a little while. But I'm going to come up with a new covenant. What this is talking about, this was a prophecy that was to come. Jesus was going to come and the old covenant was going to change. He's going to describe this covenant that he's bringing to pass. And this covenant is going to be what's described as the covenant of kindness. And to this covenant there will be no end. Again, God trying... So desperately. The God of the Old Testament. Trying to break through to his people. To show them how he views them. How he sees them. Or you could say his countenance for and to and towards them. I'm no longer going to hide my face. He says it's going to be an everlasting kindness. And again. Numbers chapter 6 and 24. Moses is ordered of the Lord. To gather together some pastors. And he gives them some instructions. In Numbers chapter 6 and 24 he says. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying. "Tell, Tell the men this. Here's what I want them to rehearse. Here's what I want them to say to my church when they get together. Speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way that you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Face, countenance, same word means the same thing. This 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 shining face, this lifted countenance, means to have God to have a smiling face towards his people. And he doesn't say it once, but he says it twice in this passage. God says, I want you to get this. I want every time my people to get together. I want you to rehearse this. I want you to pronounce this blessing over them. I want them to know that I'm smiling over them. I want them to know that I'm smiling over them. And then this short blessing, God says it twice. I want my kids to know that when they're together, I am smiling. I know what some of you are thinking. Now, how can God be smiling all the time at his kids when they're not acting right? When they're acting up and acting out? Are you saying that God smiles at sin? Don't get me wrong. God will never wink at our sin. God will never allow our sin. He will never just say, I approve of your sin situation. He will never say that. However, God does. God does. Come to us. When we couldn't get to him, the Bible says he robed himself in flesh and came to us. Isaiah. Isaiah said, your redeemer is coming. Now, you got to understand this. They don't know who Jesus is. They've never seen him. But Jesus said the, the gods of the Old Testament said, I'm going to show you my face. I'm going to show you something that you've never experienced before. I'm going to show you a new covenant and it's going to be a covenant of kindness. I'm coming for some FaceTime, he says. I'm coming for some FaceTime. I'm going to come and I'm going to show you what it really is about how I view you, what I'm coming for. I'm going to I'm going to close the gap, so to speak. Pastor Randy, help me. Now, fast forward 2,000 years. Here comes Jesus. Jesus is on his way to pray for a little girl. Jairus' daughter is sick. The Bible says it's urgent, even unto death. And so Jesus is making his way through a crowd. Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. Let's read it briefly. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things for many, many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him. And in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately, the Bible says, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd. And said, who just touched my clothes? But his disciples are like, what are you talking about? You're kind of in a crowd of people right now. He says, you see the multitude strong in you. You say, who touched me? What, this doesn't even make sense. And he looked around and sees her in, who had done this in verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. And he says to her, daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. First of all, what you need to know is this woman had no right to be in that crowd. She was unclean, she was actually breaking the law. And she could have been arrested and put out of the city. But she had a desire to get to Jesus. She had a desire. to. She even said, if I can just get close enough that I can touch his clothes. I know that I'm going to be made whole. She gets down low. She gets down real low. She doesn't want to be seen. Now, I want you to go back to Moses in Exodus when God... He says, God, I want to see your face. I want to to see your face. And God says, you can't see my my face and live. We're we're under a different dispensation. So he hides him. The Bible says he hides him in a rock. And he says, Moses, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to let you see my back. That's what I'm going to let you see. I'm going to let you see my back. And so Moses, God goes before him and taps him on the leg. And he sees the back of God. He sees the glory of God. Fast forward 2,000 years, now we see this lady down on her hands and knees trying to get to Jesus. And she touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus does something absolutely powerful. Jesus is walking, minding his own business, trying to get to an issue of a a baby that's dying 12 years old. It's urgent. And all of a sudden, he stops and turns around. Everybody say, he turned around. Everybody say, God turned around. What Moses couldn't see, because his sin separated him. Jesus said, I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to show you what my power, what my authority can do. And he's walking this way, and she got her healing, she got her blessing. But let me tell you something, I just stopped by to drop this little thought in your head. That God is not wanting you to spend your whole life on your hands and knees just trying to get him of the garment blessings. But he wants, you to, he wants you to stand up. He turned around to this woman. And he said, stand up. Look at me. Look at my face. He would not go on without her seeing his face. And so he stops and he turns around and goes back. i got to find her. He's looking for her. And she's not. She's, she's scared to death. Because she knows her condition. And so Jesus says to her a powerful thing. He calls her daughter a family term. Daughter. Look at my face. I want you to look into my eyes. I'm fulfilling something right now. What no one could ever do, you are now having the opportunity to do. No longer do you have to run from my face. No longer do you have to cower in fear because of your sin, because of your condition. But from now on, I want you to stand up and I want you to look me in the face. I want you to see this and watch what he says. It's so powerful what he says. How could we ever think differently of our God, of how he looks at us? He looks at her and there's no, it doesn't say he smiled, but how can you say this? He said, daughter, daughter. He says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. You're going to be made whole. Look into my face. You don't have to hold your head down any longer. Look into the face of God. Look into my eyes and tell me what you see. You see love. You see compassion. You see healing. You see blessing. Let me tell you how God sees you. God sees you. With an incredible smile on his face. The Bible says on in that in that, that covenant that I read you about, I will hide my face from you no more. He goes on and talked about Noah. And so it was when Noah, the covenant of Noah, when the rainbow, he says, when the mountains shake and they're destroyed, that's when this love covenant's gonna be broken. That's when my kindness will disappear. That's never gonna happen. The God that you and I serve looks upon us with a smile. Oh God, I wish I could preach this. I wish, that I, could, I wish that I could paint a picture that you could walk out of here with tomorrow and you could say, I no longer view him. I no longer see my father as a God that's ready to strike me, as a God that's ready to, to eliminate me because of my, my situations or my sin or because of my shortcomings. Let me just ask you a question real quick. How many of you right now in this moment, don't think any further than this, how many of you right now believe that God loves you in this moment right now? Leave your hand up. Leave your hand up. Leave your hand up. Don't do it unless you you believe it. If you believe that God loves you right now, then I can guarantee you He loves you tomorrow. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you how. And that He'll love you the next day. Let me tell you how. The Bible says He's Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. He knows... The beginning and he knows the end. In other words. In other words. He knows about your mess up. Before you mess up. Now you raised your hand. And you said God loves me in this moment. So that means. That God loves you always. He loves me, he loves me not God I, I, I think you view me as a three month old acting up in a restaurant Josh I don't view him like that at all, I don't even know what you're talking about tonight, let me tell you something every one of us have had a bout with this every one of us every single one of us, I know it feels good in here right now, God sees me like this, let me tell you something, how God feels about you in this moment, is how God feels about you all the time now, is this a license of sin? Are you telling me I can just go buck? No, 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 no. God will never wink at our sin. But I want you to get such a concrete, rock-solid view of how God sees you. If you can see your father, how he's looking at you right now, he's viewing you with a smile. It's a covenant of kindness. And it's everlasting. It's everlasting. It's not about his love towards us. But it's about our view of his face. Why would we ever wish to have what Moses had? He saw the glory of God. I would never want that. We got Jesus. We got Jesus. He's all we need. Jesus is all we need. If you can see him as he is, one writer would say, looking unto Jesus, the author... And the finisher of our faith. If you can see the way he looks at you. You'll look at him more often. Yeah. He loves you. He's gracious and kind to you. And he, we're living under a new covenant of grace and mercy and love. And God wants us to grab a hold of that. Stand to your feet and clap your hands. Give God praise. 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 I love you for it, God. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.